to Get Animated, the anime watch-along podcast with the hosts of Get Played. I'm self-proclaimed Windows 95 desktop, Heather Ann Campbell. I'm self-proclaimed octopus bastard, Nick Weiger. <laughs> and I'm self-proclaimed soccer ball, missed kick, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the premiere, premiere anime podcast, where we are finishing up our conversations about the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya with this episode about the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya, the, the film, the feature film that ended the series so far. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey. This was a film that came out in 2010. So it's already been 13 years since we said goodbye to Haruhi Suzumiya. Initially... Wow. Uh, initially, the movie opened in very few theaters until finally expanding to more than 100 in Japan. Uh, and also, um, for a, a minute, it was also the highest rated film on myanimelist.net.com uh, until it was finally trounced by other uh, an, another anime known as Your Name. One of the best anime movies. Wow! Ever made. So this is like second to that, according to them, basically. No, Maybe no, no. Others I mean, it, it's, it's been, it's yeah, it's been deranked since then. But it was uh for for a minute was uh was the most uh highly rated uh film on myanimelist.net, overthrowing the previous holder, Evangelion 2.0. You cannot advance. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think more just like a just context for that this was really well received yes especially after i think kind of like a largely i and and it's hard to know exactly i think it's hard to divorce all of season two's reaction to from the reaction uh uh backlash one would say to the endless eight but it feels like this was more of like a okay here we go they got me back uh yeah before i, I i've got we've got so much to talk about we've got so much to talk we, about with we got it look Let's let's get to the movie, but before we do that, let's quickly talk about what we've been weeping. Hey guys, it's me, Ash, Ash Ketchum. Ash, no, what? we're done. Uh, okay, Nick, what you what you been weeping? No, you're fucking done. You're done. <laughs> we're, don't I'm just you to... ever, don't you ever talk to me like that again? Don't Ash? you talk to my friend Matt like that, Ash? Ash? Don't you? You're. I'm a. I'm gonna. We're standing gonna up make... to you. No, you're not. You're our no, we're, Haruhi. No, we're, we're standing we're up not, to you. We're not. I'm not standing up to you. Actually, no. I'm like, not. I'm like, I'm very scared. I'm not. My, standing yeah, up to my you. pants are full of piss and shit right now. I'm so fucking scared. <laughs> what have you been weaving, you piece of shit? Stop Jesus licking Christ, that knife. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Ash. <laughs> Fuck! Never ever talk to me like that ever again. We won't. I won't. I know I where your families live. Oh, I, God. Okay. I promise I won't. I will not. I'm I kind of actually don't know what I was thinking. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll wake, I'll wake you up in the middle of the night with a Pokeball pressed against your lips. And I'll say, Snorlax, I choose you. Oh, God. And watch your head explode all over the room. Jesus. You don't really talk about, we don't, we don't really get into like the, like, what the horrors of the world of Pokemon could even, you know, behold, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, that you can just completely, you know, some of them Pokemon are big boys. Some of them are big boys, and some of them, you know, have unlimited power, like a Mewtwo or something. But that's, 
Ah, that's tough stuff. Uh, next. What have you been weaving? Thank you, Ash. Yeah, thanks. Uh, wow. Uh, I'll go first because I don't have an update. Uh, I have. I haven't been. I hadn't. I haven't had extra time to watch anything or read anything. But I, uh, you know, I watched this and then I've been enjoying your guys' updates on Vinland Saga, which I know uh, you probably both have updates on. And I, I do want to start watching that. So I'll kick it over to you guys because I haven't seen anything new. I am fully Vinland pilled. Uh, oh, I, have watched, <laughs> I have watched 20 episodes. This is the most bingeable show I've watched in a long time. Like, I'm just really like, I just, I just keep watching this thing. And it's got a one more episode quality of... It doesn't like just like mark time like a lot of anime or like a lot of like, you know, TV. It just TV that has season long arcs in general kind of has those episodes where it's just kind of treading water. Something consequential is happening in every episode. Like it, yeah. it like is wow. always moving the ball forward. But it also leaves you with holy shit, something also crazy, something crazy is about to happen. So yeah. it definitely has that quality of just like, let me watch one more. Uh, let me see what's going on here. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the way it handles like the the one the one thing i'll say is a a hyper violent and you know really really gnarly stuff uh but in a fun way and and the the way it handles all the different languages that are being spoken at the time is interesting because everyone kind of speaks the same language with the same accent but there will just be moments where it's like what what is he speaking norse i don't speak norse and you know what I mean? Like like just, just a different conversation will be taking place and then someone else will hear it and not understand it. So it, it it's like a good it's like an interesting way of handling that aspect of it instead of everyone you know, it, it I, I I don't know. I, I guess I just kind of I haven't seen that interpretation as much and I and, and I kinda like it. But it's it's a great show. It's it's so engaging. Uh it's so pulpy and um so dramatic and just a blast. I have finished season one of Vinland Saga and I found the finale of the first season of Vinland Saga to be among the most satisfying finales of anything I had ever seen. Holy shit. Um, (laughs) Can't wait. It. I, I, I emphatically left the television and ran to Mary like I was 10 years old and was like, so this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then that happened. Um, I've been told I've only seen the first two episodes of season two. Uh, and I've been told that it's a tone shift and so far it feels like one. Uh, and I don't, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hold judgment until I'm a little bit deeper into the season, but it really feels like the first season of Vinland Saga is lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. It it has the propulsion of Chainsaw Man. Um, it it it's like oh shit! I can't believe they've already made these choices. Choices that I assumed would take, as Nick said, episodes, mm-hmm. and instead it's just like we're gonna do this. Oh shit! That person's dead. Okay, we're gonna have to do something else. Right. <laughs> You know, and it's constant like that. Um, and uh, has, yeah, ha- as I've mentioned in previous episodes, reignited my excitement and uh, and enthusiasm for Viking history. I'm like 
halfway through the book, like the book, uh, The Children of Ash and Elm, which is a, a, a Viking history book. It's excellent. Can't recommend it enough. Um, and uh, also, I would say I've probably got like five Wikipedia tabs of like various Viking heroes or locations. Yeah. Um, open at any given time on my laptop. So, uh, you know, if you like violence and you like a shonen anime with no magical powers whatsoever, then, I mean, there's still exaggerated action. Yes. But nobody can, like, do something that it, I mean, you can, people can do impossible things with a sword or with their strength, but the stuff is still, you, it's it's almost like you're watching the, the story being told to somebody who wasn't at the battle. It'd be like, this guy was so tall, he was like seven feet tall. No, he was yeah. like seven and a half feet tall. <laughs> and then like, you see that guy. And he's, and he's wielding seven- a, a tree trunk as a club, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like you can, you can see the sort of like enthusiasm for the t- telling of the story as the the representation of the show on screen but anyway yeah vinland saga fucking rules that's all i gotta say about it guys let's dive into the disappearance of harhi suzumiya um i had not seen this wow i thought i had seen it maybe and i was like well we'll see when i start hadn't seen i hadn't seen a minute of this movie didn't know what it was about. Didn't well, know what Well, how lucky happened. for you that there was 240 more of them. <laughs> 162 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like um, two hours and 41 minutes is what I mean. Yeah. I'm going to say something real controversial up top here. There we go. This movie justifies the existence of the Endless Eight. Interesting. I, I think I agree. Um, I, yeah, I think if you skipped that season and you saw this film, you'd be like, why would that character ever make that choice? But I think that the lingering shots on Yuki in the endless eight are setting up the film. They are set like they are setting her up as being as, as, as either like, coming to terms with her lack of ability to make decisions or changes mm-hmm. or her frustrations with the SOS brigade. But any, any way you look at it, Yuki being the only person who remembers all 593 years of the endless eight and us experiencing only eight episodes worth of those 593 years and fucking hating it. And also something I mentioned, I think last last get animate episode is that by the end of season two i also kind of hate haruhi yes you know and i think that the season is putting us into a position of empathy with yuki as a character so that when the disappearance of haruhi suzumiya happens you're like not only do i understand this but i also understand why and i empathize with it and that as the, sh- the the film progresses, is the tragedy of the film. That's my hot take at the top. I think they could have... I, 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 I understand the take. I think if the idea is, like, we're trying to understand Yuki's mental state of she has dealt with such torment that she's finally uh, pushed to the point 
where she is going to take such drastic action as to uh, a, a basically eradicate this version of the world just to save herself from that. I still think there is a way to communicate that without making the viewer themselves endure eight epi- eight of the same episode. <laughs> like, I think you could still find a way to convey, like, hey, she's trapped in this thing. She's ex- uh, experienced this over and over again. I think there's a way to convey that uh, dramatically. I uh, sh- yeah. Sure, but I, I mean, like, my personal catharsis, like, my personal experience of catharsis seeing this movie was like such a shotgun blast of feelings for Yuki, a character that I don't know that I had ever considered. Like I am so, I am so aligned with Kion at the beginning of this movie as like dismissive of Yuki and, and also like taking her powers for granted. Like that, that when the drama of the film starts unfolding, I was like, oh my, oh my God. Like I felt, I felt so much. Yeah. And that's, I also felt like, man, hearing the season one theme song, pretty cool. Pretty, it's pretty good to hear that. I song really like that. I did. Um, Great theme song. Glad they brought it back. Watching this, I was like, The show, the show is good. Like, I'm glad I watched this because. Sure. Something about the movie. The movie sort of, for me, at least. Like. I talked about this in a chain reactions a couple weeks ago, but I was saying that, like, the scales don't really tip one way or the other on the balance as like a with both seasons of the show. Yeah, what is the show good or is the show annoying and it's yeah. equ- e- there was an equilibrium for you. Yes. And I do think that the movie tips the scale in favor of it's good. <laughs> like cuz like like I I I loved the movie. Yeah. The movie is good. My hot take. Oh boy. Is that go. I think both season 2 and the film adaptations were both on a either conscious or subconscious level. Uh, Kyoto Animation's rebellion to the wild success of season one. That they were just mm. kind of like, this is this became a phenomenon and we weren't expecting it. And that reaches a point where you're where as an artist, you know, it's it's you're dealing with like now fan expectations. So you either want to subvert them. Uh, or even punish them because you're like this is this thing is turned into something bigger than you expected and and in so uh, in this evolution and this transformation has become something different than you uh, had hoped for and so I think it's the thing here of like this movie is about her it's the Harui Suzumiya anime and most of its runtime is we have removed the title character. We're just going to be like, you know what? Here we go. Hey, oh, you like Harui Suzumiya? What if we make a movie where she's not in it? How about that? You like that? But the show, the show, it's about her, right? Like, but it's not, we're not really tracking, we're tracking the other characters' experiences of her, right? Like, it's not like- is the main character. Yeah. It's it's, it's a Kion show. Yeah. Uh, And, but, and so like, it's, it's viewed through his 
but but she is like the dominant force. She is like yeah. what's driving all of the narrative action. I, I have I have a I have a take. Oh, boy. Take. Here we go. We're we're mayors. This is how we do it now, too. By the way, when you have a take, you say I have a take, and then you let then we let each other cook, and I I love it. This we're like a normal podcast. We're sort of like a podcast on YouTube, (laughs) just like a couple guys sitting around. I have a take. I think. And then then let's tell some stories about the the comedy store. Yeah, the road too. Just talking about you know strange things like that. Um, This is two movies. You can make this two movies. It does not need to be a two-hour and 41-minute movie. I think you could do two movies here. You end part one. I know exactly where... I don't, we're not going to get... Is it okay if I say where yeah. we end it? Like, do, yeah, it, well, do spoilers yeah, I matter? Mean, I mean, like, we're I, talking I about the movie. Yeah, people, have, people who are on the podcast expect us to talk about like to either completely re like yeah. I could I could say all of the plot of the movie which I might do really quickly but I think but but let's make the assumption that people have already seen the movie because I think I know what you're going to say about when yeah. you would split it or they're like they're the part of our listenership that just doesn't watch what we talk about yeah well I'll say what I'm gonna either say way, I think we're fine and then if that's confusing as a listener we will go back and say how we got to the point that I'm about to mention. You split the movie at Kion seeing Haruhi at the other school. That's then you end credits. She's a different person at the other school. You pick it up, they have the conversation. Don't you remember me? This and that. And then the rest of the movie plays out as is. Maybe you add a scene because like maybe the second half of it isn't as long as the first half. But I think I think we're talking about viewer audience punishment. The greatest crime of all <laughs> is a long runtime, my dear. It's think, too long. I think if it's you... A, it's a long movie. I think if you... First off, it's it's shorter than the final Evangelion movie. Um, and, and that fucking movie, everybody's like, oh my God, it's a, fuck, it's a work of art. Give it the Oscar in, in Japan. Um, I think that the runtime of this film is not too long. And I think if they'd split it, people would have really sided with Nick on this. The Kyoto animation is, uh, is punishing the viewer because you would have sat down in the theater and gotten all the way to seeing Harhi again. And then she's out. I'm like credits. I, I, I I stand by the runtime. I stand by the film and I stand by season two in hindsight because of the film. I still like it. I think it's good. Uh, I uh, I just think that certainly that's what they would do if they made it in the year 2023. This would be two mm. movies. But mm. uh, that's just how they do stuff now. But watch, I mean, I, you know, I'm happy to uh, look. I don't think all my takes are right. It's just my. T- it's just my take. <laughs> this I movie think this, is. Oh, go ahead, Nick. I was just gonna say. I think this movie. I I do like this movie quite a bit. I do think it rips. I love it. I do think it, it's 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 gorgeous and it's, it's full of ideas. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Um, the it. I yeah. don't. I don't mind the runtime, and I I'm more trying to divine the psychology of the of of making this movie and yeah. and where this where this premise comes from. Which I know it comes from one of the light novels. So yeah. you know maybe they're just they're just hewing close to the source. And I believe the writer of the film was the writer of the of the manga. I believe that's correct. Um, certainly, the director Tatsuya Ishihara uh, directed the bulk of the uh, the TV show, uh, the series, but. 
the the runtime didn't bother me. I didn't I like I kind of liked living in this weird languorous uh reality. Uh and I bet if I was in a theater like I would really respond to that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely felt it. Like there was a point where I was like I had to pee and I was like, "Well, this thing's got to be almost over." Uh and I paused it and there was 50 minutes left. I was like, "Jesus Christ. Yeah. This thing is fucking This is a big That one. happened to me the other day with a shorter film that we watched in my house. And we were just watching this movie. I won't say what it was. I'll tell you off. Howard the Duck. It was Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. We Leah Thompson it. is a Patreon listener is the issue, so you didn't want to okay, so I'll cut that. go after her. But I'll yeah. cut that. Um, sorry, Leah. Sorry, Leah. We love you. Um, you're a favorite and only fan that we like. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we love all our fans. Um, we were watching this movie the other day, and we were like, surely this movie's almost over. We're both bored. We look. There's like 40 minutes left, and we both went out out loud. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And, and we didn't stop watching. But we were just like, this movie right. has to be done. Like it's like yeah. not that complicated of a story. And they're like, nope, we're gonna keep talking. We're gonna keep going. Uh, but that's just you know, I do think that like for me, if something is like 90 minutes, there's no room for. <laughs> you could have a bad 90 minute movie, but like. A good a good ninety minute movie. There's almost no no faults. You're like this is perfect. This is great. I'm having a blast. I don't have time to think about what about this doesn't work. It, this is good. Uh, but I watching this. I did watch this in one sitting with a brief interruption. But I um I did I did love it, and I do think the thing that I mentioned in my self proclaimed is the single funniest frame of animation I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so funny. Very funny. Uh, Keon is like making a plan on a soccer field or something, and a ball comes... He's at school, and a ball comes towards him, and he like very confidently goes to kick the ball. Like It's like the punk... It's the punchline of the scene. And like, you know, he thinks he's gonna... You think he... In any other movie, he would have made contact and kicked the ball, and it would have been like, you know, the, that's the out for the scene. But he confidently kicks and misses completely, and it is so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, laugh out loud funny. This film has so many choice moments of animation that are just love like their love for yeah. the format like there there's moments where kion is opening a door and it's the most i've ever seen an animated hand move like i'm like yeah. this this fuck it's gorgeous yeah um there are there are moments where like where he like is trying to move around a desk and his hip catches the corner of the desk and un- and unsettles and shifts the desk. Like all of this like real physical contact in the world that makes the world mm-hmm. feel real. Yeah. Uh, it's it's st- startlingly well animated. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we could do like a quick, What I don't want to, you know, I don't know what people want out of this show. But What do you I, want from us? What do you want? Sound off in the comments. Tell us what you want. So a quick, a quick. But we don't have to do it. A quick recap of what happens in this movie, because I don't want to go scene by scene, because it would take us two hours and forty minutes. So um, it's December. It's after the school festival uh, when uh, Harhi played guitar in the best episode of the show. Um, Yeah. He uh, Kion like talks to his buddy Tanaguchi. 
and he's like, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? Uh, and Taniguchi's like, I'm, uh, I got plans. Um, he meets up with, um, he's, da- he's going on, he's going on a hot date that becomes like a plot thing. It's like, hey, okay, I'm going on a date with a, with a, uh, you know, uh, I, I got this, this girl who likes me. And similarly, like, like another, another bit of setup that becomes a plot thing is SOS Brigade, uh, is going to have like a hot pot for Christmas. And so there's all this, this Haruhi, you know, planning to make this, this big spectacle and yeah. they're doing this thing without a permit and, you know. Uh, they're not supposed to have an open flame in the room, so it's all this sort of stuff. Is like okay, t- set up for a typical sort of uh, scenario. It's so far also my favorite scheme of hers: a hot pot party. I'm in. That's that's a home yeah. run. I, that Fuck sounds yeah. so good. Well, uh, yeah. it's a good Christmas but, party. But then she also says something. She says the perfect Haruhi thing when she's making this plan, and she's like, and of course, if you have any, uh, if you disagree with any of this, or like if you have any. Uh, alternate takes or of what I what what I'm doing here. You can tell me after we do it, and I'll consider it. It's like well, it's too late after that point. <laughs> There's another thing she says, and I don't have the line verbatim, but yeah. the way she said, like she's talking about doing a big Christmas party, and she's like something like, "We want to do Mr. Christ proud." It's oh like, yeah, <laughs> she, she says Mr. Christ. <laughs> yeah, that is that's a funny. I, yeah, that is really really good. I I don't think I had ever heard. Like, or, you know, thought of the phrase, Mr. Christ. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> um, so, and, uh, yeah, good. And, and then, but, you know, puts it, puts, uh, uh, Asahina in a, in a cheesecake, you know, horny Santa costume and everything. It's all, it's all typical. Uh, shit. you mean a yeah. Santa costume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the next day, uh, Kion uh, is hot, heading off to school and he talks to Taniguchi and Taniguchi's like, he's like, yeah, are you, he's wearing a face mask and Kion's like, are you sick? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, weird. Uh, you, you must've caught that suddenly. He's like, no, the cold has been going around for a while. And he's like, you still going to go on your date? And he's like, what, are, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't have a date. And Kion's like, oh, whatever. Um, he, Kion gets to class. Haruhi is absent. Very strange. And then, Ryoko Asakura, who we know as the woman who tried to murder Kion in season yes. one of Haruhi Suzumiya and then left. Uh, yeah, it was dematerialized by, uh, by Yuki. Walks into class. Yeah. Uh, and Kion's like, holy fucking shit. Uh, he, Kion asks like, how long have you been here? What the fuck is going on? Discovers that Haruhi is missing and that nobody seems to remember who Haruhi is. So he goes to confront multiple people who know who Haruhi is. He tries to find Asahina, but Asahina doesn't know who he is. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to the club room and Yuki isn't acting like Yuki. She's acting kind of like a normal shy girl, the kind of girl who would be at the literary club. And the Asahina like, scene is horrifying, by the way, because he goes up to her and he's like, grab, like, like, just, like a man she doesn't know is like, go, is like grabbing her and being like, you know me, right? Like, yeah. and she's just like so scared. Yeah. Uh, Tsuruya is with her and like fucking clocks him. Um, yeah. And Yuki is the, the one it's, hey, from the Endless Eight is the person we would expect to have some knowledge of what's happening. Yeah. But she doesn't. No. Somehow, somehow she has lost her omniscience and world controlling power uh and 
Kiona is devastated. Uh, he um, goes home and he tries talking to the cat, Shamisen. Shamisen mm-hmm. won't talk to him, which is also funny because it implies that after the film was made, Shamisen was just choosing not to talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny to think about. Um, Keon goes back to class and he's... I, I really, I will say that this is just, I thought at some point that was a bit of fan service we were going to get, which again speaks to me, like I think in Kyoto is, is kind of like, okay, well, we're, we're not going to give these, we're not going to give the fans what they want. But I yeah. thought at some point we were going to get Shamisen talking again. Uh, yeah, I um, for sure thought he was going to solve it. Like, or yeah. like that he was going to be the key or to be why. a part of the solution. And, the, and then it's like, no, he's just, you know what? He's just a cat the whole time. There you go. So, um... Kion goes back to the literary club the next day because he doesn't know what else to do. He's he's like, what is this world without Haruhi? I'm the only person on on in the world who wouldn't be able to solve this problem. I'm just Kion. He's he's just Ken. He's just Kion. <laughs> uh, and uh, he discovers the book that Yuki once hid a secret message in. Uh, in season one of the Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, called the Fall. Did of the two of you clock that? That's the same book because I yes, didn't. I did. I did not clock that. I was but, like, I was like, I did not remember the significance of that specific. Book I yeah, no, I, if, no, if I, unless this is like lost, I'm not watching like that. That's like that's like that's like that was new information to me. <laughs> you want me to watch carefully? It better be lost. Hey, all right, you want You're me to be lost? paying attention? You better, I, you better I, put Jack and Kate up on screen. I clocked it only because I've read Hyperion. So I, mm. when it showed up the first oh, time, sure. I was like, oh, shit, it's Hyperion. Uh, so he finds a bookmark that says, program run condition, collect the keys, deadline two days from now or two days later. And Kevin's like, two day, two, was it today? Tomorrow? Like, how many days is two days? When was I supposed to find this bookmark? Obviously, And what the fuck are the keys? Yeah, at Yuki has somehow left me help in this reality where Haruhi doesn't exist. Uh, but he can't figure out uh, how to, um, he can't figure out how to, how to solve this puzzle. Uh, Yuki asks him to come over and have dinner with her. Uh, they have a nice dinner or they're about to have a nice dinner when Asakura shows up and Kion's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. But Yuki asks him to stay uh, by sort of tugging on his sleeve. And it's, upsetting and heartbreaking to see Yuki want things, even if they are as mild as, you know, trying to ask you to stay and hang out. Um, this ver- this characterization of Yuki is so interesting. This alternate reality where she's just like this gentle, quiet uh, girl, but like she has like real emotions. Like she's not just a complete like, yeah, you know, she's not a robot. Exactly, like that she actually has, but but she still has the same sort of reserved demeanor that yeah. prevents her from, and now it's a hindrance because she can't get what she wants emotionally. Yeah. Uh, I, I do really like that, and also just the way she, her character is animated throughout, mm-hmm. like plays like kind of like the shy archetype. Um, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's, it's depicted so well. Yeah, it's painful. Like you want to help her, uh, and you also are like, oh my God, was this, is this girl, what is it about Yuki's consciousness that allows a omnipresent super being 
to become this? Or is she, because at this point in the movie, you don't know who's responsible for this. You don't know if it's Harahi's fault. You don't know whose fault it is that, that all of this has happened. You assume it's Harahi because that's what Kion's assuming. Um, the next day, Kion goes to class. It's it's also sorry, sorry. One real quick, real quick thing on that is, is it's like for me, I'm like, is this is this sh- the work saying that like that's her internality, like that's like what Yuki, the robot, the automaton, is actually dealing with internally, but she doesn't have a normal mechanism to express it. Like I don't know, uh, or or it's it's like it's like this is the translation of a machine's reality into yeah. human emotion. You know, I don't know. It's it's. It's it's one of the more interesting things in this is that the Yuki is a very different character. So the next day, um, Kyun's at class. He's pretty fucking miserable, uh, and his buddy was like, "God, you were making such a big deal out of missing some girl that nobody knew who you were talking about." And Kyun's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Who was it? Haruhi?" And Tanaguchi's like, "Wait, Haruhi Suzumiya." And holy fucking shit, me, the, the audience member, went, oh, my God, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I felt like Kion in this moment where I was like, hearing her name in this It's a Wonderful Life version of shit and knowing that somebody has a memory of her, I was so scared that the next sentence from Tan- Tanaguchi would be like, that girl who died in grade school? Yeah. Right. But instead, he's like, yeah, she... I remember her. She did this crazy thing where she rode all over the ground. And yeah, remembers um, her from middle school. And, and and it's also to your point, Heather. It's like this because this is paced. Uh, it's it's so methodical and it's so long. I think we're like an hour in when this happens. Yeah, like we've spent a lot of time just sort of Kion just slowly growing through, going through the drudgery of a normal existence. Uh, to to contrast with what he's endured in the anime, uh, the, the the series. So he, Kion uncovers that Haruhi exists and she's going to a different school. So he leaves class, <laughs> runs across town and gets to this other school, this private school, this fancy private school, uh, earlier than class is let out. And then he has this awesome internal monologue of like doubt, doubts about whether or not he'll recognize her, whether she'll recognize him. Like, what is he even doing there? What's he going to fucking say to her? Like, is he just going to go up to her and be like, hey, I'm Kion, you, you know me? Like, it, it's a really good, it's it's like an anime panic attack. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's really well done. Um, And then, he sees Koizumi and Haruhi walk out of class together. And he's like, holy shit, Koizumi exists. And he goes up to talk to Haruhi. And Haruhi it does not know who the fuck he is, is upset that he is talking to her, and is like, I don't want any... Like, she's got enough Haruhi-ishness that you know that she's the same person, but she has no memory of any of the stuff that he's describing. And when and she's got the long hair and she's got the long hair. She hasn't cut her hair. <laughs> and uh, Kion sort of like steps into her space and is uh, kind of grappled by a security guard who's like, get the fuck away from this student. What are you doing? Uh, and then 
realizing that he went by a fake name when Harhi wrote the stuff on the ground, he swings for the fences and says that his name is John Smith, which was the fake name that he gave when he visited her when she was young. Uh, and Harhi faints. And it's awesome. And then they're at a restaurant, the three of them, Koizumi, Harhi, and Kyon. And Kyon's basically saying all of the shit that he's been through. Like he's not, it's not like, you know, you got to protect Harihi from crazy stuff because she's actually a god and she'll undo the world. Like he's like, I'm from another world. This is what's happened to me. This is how I know you. Why didn't you go to class or why didn't you go to my school? And she's like, because you would have, like John Smith was older than me. Like by the time I would have gotten to school, he would have graduated. What difference would it have made? Um, and he also, she also remembers additional dialogue from that scene that Kyon never di- gave, which mm-hmm. is nice. Um, so Koizumi, who's hyper-intelligent, uh, pontificates that he, there's one or two ways that uh, Kyon has slipped into this world. Either his timeline has been altered or he is from a multiverse. Um Harhi is super in all this. She's getting more and more excited. And you can see that underneath the demeanor of a girl who never went to Kion's high school, never started the SOS brigade, is this girl who wishes that those things would happen, wishes that the world was different. And Kion brings her and Koizumi to his school mm-hmm. to meet Yuki. And there's a really great fucking moment where... Kion and Koizumi are alone for a second. And Kion's like, what is it in it for you to Koizumi? And Koizumi's like, I love her. And you're right. like, oh shit, does Koizumi love Harhi in our timeline also? And just never can do anything about it or say anything about it? It's really interesting. I uh, think so. And I think that's that, you know, definitely we talk about the there's the moment where, because he he has he says this, and he's kind of also like Haruhi's He's not. She doesn't like a guy like me. She's just not going to be into me. I'm too boring. Um, and but like you know, going back to Endless Eight, there's the whole sequence that gets repeated, like yeah. everything in that uh, fucking arc, where he says that you got to go up to Haruhi, tell her that you love her, or maybe I'll do it. And he's like, ah ha ha, I'm not the one to do it. But like I do, I do think that's very much alluded to. Yeah, that that's a big part of his. Yeah. Loyalty to yeah. the SOS Brigade is not just the obligation of being the Esper. It's like that he actually loves her. So Kion and Harhi and Koizumi go back to North High uh, to sneak them in to the school. They change into Kion's uh, gym clothes, which he hasn't washed in a week. Uh, and uh, before they go to the Literature Club, a.k.a. the SOS Brigade of our reality, uh uh, Harhi's like, we got to get that other girl, the other girl that you talked about, that Asahina. And she, how how quickly her wheels spin up when she starts scheming? Like she's so eager to like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna pretend to be joggers and we're gonna be and we're gonna you know we're gonna put on your gym uniform yeah. and then we're gonna run into yeah. the school. That's how we'll get through security. And then yeah, that, what you were saying when they're gonna go kidnap or effectively kidnap Mikuru from the calligraphy club. Yeah, so she she kidnaps Mikuru from the from, from the calligraphy club. They burst into. The uh, the literature club to Yuki's horror, and the entire SOS brigade is back in the same room together. And as a viewer, you're like, 
fucking A, they can do it. They can figure it out. I don't know how they're going to figure it out, but they're going to do it. Haruhi's marching around the room like she's like, oh, you could put so much shit in here. (laughs) Yes. And it turns out that getting all of the group members together is the key to the program that will that Yuki from another time has set to save Kyon's reality. I think so I think if you watch enough media you start to be like oh there there are times when you're watching something and you fit you get ahead of it you figure it out this is not the case here like i did i would did not get like i would not anticipate that the keys would be the other members of the sos brigade i thought it was going to be something a little bit more specific than that i was like oh okay hey well done show well done movie yeah yeah i like i like i like a montage in like movies or things where like you have to go collect like the members of the team and like this is like like a good version of that where they have to like go and get everybody in a specific way. I, I love that. Right. But specifically yeah. it's like the, it's a, it's the interesting idea of like the, these people don't know yes. what their roles are exactly because they, they have not experienced it. Um, we should also mention just cause it's the thing and you, maybe you're going to get to this Heather, but the one difference from the room, the literature club, uh, the one thing that, that Keon is clocked is that there's a computer in there. That's the one bit of, of, Carry over from the SOS SOS Brigade, and that becomes a key. Yeah, uh, it's it is a strange uh, computer that isn't the computer that they have in the SOS Brigade. It's a different computer running Windows ninety five. Yeah, which is great because Haruhi didn't have to uh, steal the computer, steal a computer, and (laughs) stage an assault or anything. They show the Windows 95 startup like screen. They yeah. show the, the entirety of it and they play the sound. Yeah. Did, so, did that give choice. anybody um like not like ASMR, but I felt like I felt something when I saw that and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Take me back. Yeah. I used to love that startup scene the startup <laughs> sound. Um and then and there's also like the thing of like there's the moment where and I didn't quite figure out what was happening here, but when Yuki is like showing the computer, she deletes a bunch of her stuff. Or like, 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 or I don't know, erases her history or something. Like, hides a bunch of files, and so she had something she was doing on the computer that, like, is private from Keon. It could be as simple as that she's embarrassed about making the literature club sign up sheets. Oh, sure, yeah. It could have been anything. Like this version right. of Yuki is so quiet. I like that. So the 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 question this movie propose or poses to Kion is do you like the quiet world or the Haruhi world better? Like what what is it that you really want? And I think that it's cool that in order for him to unlock the program he has to physically demonstrate that he misses the SOS brigade by getting everybody into that room. Like if you were designing uh, a world altering program for somebody and you and the question is do you want to return to the way that you knew things to have the actual key to that be getting the people that you know and love back in the same physical location the way they used to be is a great catalyst for that so anyway he's right. he's like the the computer boots up and he and and Yuki from another world is like Hey, you've clearly got um, everybody back together. So, do you want to execute this program? There's no guarantee it'll work. He's getting this on the com- on the terminal. Yeah, he's yeah. Getting, term- like he's getting to, 
And I, I thought there was a chance that this was actually uh, some sort of hacking from Ryoko and that like she was like the I, I didn't hadn't quite figured out what was going on here. But it is it is, in fact, Yuki communicating through the command line. So Kion presses enter. He goes back to three years ago at the uh, uh, Tanabata Festival where young Haruhi Suzumiya is out there somewhere spray painting on the ground or, or white chalking on the ground, the message to the heavens with theoretically Kion. Um, and Kion and older Asahina uh, go to Yuki's house to try and figure out what has happened and how to fix it. Yuki makes a syringe that needs to be injected into the person who uh, who has done all of this damage to the timelines and to reality. And then she whispers, turns her glasses into a syringe and then turns that syringe into like a future gun. Yeah. yeah. It's like a real, it's like fucking, it's, a, it's an insane little bit of animation. Yeah. Um, and, and reality bending. Uh, and. And we're kind of back to featuring Back to the Future Part Twoing this whole thing, yeah. Because like Kion is seeing like his previous Kion with like with Asahina, and so he's like he's like seeing that he's watching this all take place. He's not like back into that that version of Kion. He's coexisting with it, yeah. So it's it's a little it's it's all very mind bending. So uh, Yuki injects Mikuru and Kion with. Uh, Nano machines to protect them from uh, the the chaos of time travel, um, and then whisp- injects them by vampire biting them. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, whispers to Kion who the culprit is. So if you're watching it, you're like, oh, it's probably Yuki. Like I'm not. There's no. There's no part of me that at this point is like it's Haruhi's fault. Like I'm like the oh, culprit. Yeah. I thought there was a chance it was again. I thought it was a chance it was Ryoko. Hmm. I, I didn't think it was, her, and I thought there was also a chance they're going to do something really complicated and be like, "Is actually you did this, Kion, and you don't remember it." Yeah. Um, but yeah, Yuki seems like the natural fit. Well, when when you don't hear who it is, right? I was like, "Oh, there's no reason to hide that information unless it's Yuki." Um. So, uh, Kion and adult Asahina travel. Time travel to December 18th, watch Yuki change reality. Like she's walking down the street, robot girl style. And then she waves her hand around and beautiful music plays. And then the world changes. And so does she. And so fucking weird, this little hand waving ritual she does. Yeah. It's like she's conducting an orchestra. It's like she's the fucking wind waker. And she, and, and, and it's so like, it, it's it's just it's just it's such a bizarre way to characterize that, but it works. It's I don't know. It's a it's a weird. It's a, everything about this is so like it's just it's such a disarming watch. I guess I'm just saying it, it's just so yeah, fucking weird. It's a crazy thing too because like the thing about it, like at the crux of it, Haruhi has done so many crazy things throughout the series, and this is kind of like maybe the like one of the worst things anyone's ever done like like it's like not worse than the endless late like that's obviously like pretty bad but like this as a choice is a haruhi level like decision but you don't ever see haruhi doing anything 
<laughs> as weird as <laughs> how she did it. Yeah. So uh, Kion is going to inject Yuki with this virus thing, this whatever it is that's going to change Yuki back into Yuki and reset the world. And he has this really nice, I would call it Evangelion light sequence where he is interrogating himself about whether or not this is really the choice he wants to make. Mm-hmm. And it uh, climaxes with the interrogator version of himself standing on his own head and shoving it into the desk and saying, why would you change it back? You complain all the fucking time, you piece of shit. Like, why would you do this? And Kion's like, well, I already pressed enter, so I already know my answer. And the answer is, I do prefer the world with Harhi in it and with all of the fucking chaos. I have fun doing that shit with the SOS Brigade. It's his his actualization, <laughs> which... Given how lo- how many hundreds of years it took him to just ask them to do homework, you do mm-hmm. feel like the dude is on an arc, which is nice. So, uh, Kion is going to shoot Yuki with this gun, transform everything back when he gets stabbed with a hunting knife in the back. Yes, uh, by Ryoko. And she also pulls the knife out and it's one of those serrated knives and it's so much fucking blood. Uh, And um, Kion is on the ground and she's like, I've I've been programmed to be her body, uh, Yuki's bodyguard. I'm not going to let you do this. You're just going to die on the ground, dude. That's all that's going to happen. You're going to die and it's going to suck. And the last thing you experience is going to be pain. And she sort of stabs him again before she is sort wrestled off and you hear Kion's voice and Mikuru's voice being like, it's okay. It's okay. You're, you're going to be all right. You're going to live. And Kion's like, I'm so sorry, but I, 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 it had to be done this way uh, for reasons I'll explain to you later. And right. So Kion is saying to Kion, it's like a different Kion is saying, don't worry. Like you're going to be fine. Yeah. Time travel. He's dying. Um, And then Kion wakes up in a hospital which is like a third version of Kion in this reality, right? Yeah. Because we've got young Kion, I, not young Kion. we got we got earlier Kion who's helping young Haruhi. Yeah. we got this Kion who's dying, yeah. and then we got another Kion who's going to travel back late. Well, I assume future. that that Kion is a, like a, a theoretical season three Kion. Mm. Like they, that, that if the show had another season you would see Kion and Asahina travel back and solve this problem while also saving Kion in the past. Uh, anyway, Kion wakes up in the hospital uh, and uh, uh, discovers that in uh, the reset fixed reality, he fell down a flight of stairs and hurt himself. Um, and that... Uh, they've taken turns watching over him, but one brigade member never left. And he looks over and Haruhi is zipped up like a caterpillar in a sleeping bag, sleeping next to Kion on the ground. And it's really sweet. It is really sweet. And it's like a really, it's also a really cool reveal because the way the, 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 like she's like, in the the tiny little cubby hole between the window and the bed on the floor, so she's completely hidden during from view during the uh, in in the wider shot, 
and in their conversation uh and where she where he learns Kion it was in this coma but also like apparently there's nothing physically wrong with him um and yeah and then the reveal when she pops up and then there's like this physical comedy where she's kind of like just sort of caterpillaring around uh trying to stand with all of her limbs immobilized it's great. It's it's the way this sh- this show and this the way this uh, the way this sh- this this series as a whole uh, the this but also the way that this movie in particular depicts like kind of like intimacy and tenderness from people who are like I guess partly because they're so they're 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 teenagers still figuring out how to express themselves, but also because they're all such fucking weirdos. You know, th- th- things like Yuki ask inviting her him uh, to her apartment. You know, and 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 wanting him to stay by holding on to his uh his 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 uh his coat, like you were saying earlier, Heather, or or just like the the it, it's oddly tender the way she vampire bites people to give them the the nano machines, and the same thing here. It's like Haruhi is doing something very indirect, but all but like also so loving. It's like so yeah. it's it's yeah. so caring to give someone that degree of of focus and attention. Yeah, especially for her. She's never given any like she doesn't know for sure if Kion is going to wake up ever again. And she won't leave his side. And that is the most and I think the exclusive selfless act of Haruhi Suzumiya in all of the shit that we've watched her do. Anyway, uh, Kion uh, figures out that he was the person that time traveled back with Mikuru to help himself in the past uh, and that before he is uh, going to like go home or anything he's going to visit Yuki uh, and they visit each other on a rooftop or he visits her on a rooftop and they have an excellent fucking just a, such a good scene uh where yuki's like hey i'm really sorry about all this um it turns out that there were too many unresolved errors in my programming and i made a bad decision and kyon's like those aren't errors those are emotions and of course she experienced emotions after 600 fucking years of seeing the same two weeks. <laughs> like, of course she like, like that, that had an effect on her and she wanted something. And what she wanted is the same thing we wanted while watching the endless eight, which is make this shit stop. <laughs> right. I, I, I loved it. I loved it. So, uh, She's Great like, scene. Can, can I can I read something real quick? Just oh, I'm sorry. You finish, and then if uh, okay. I, I may add something. So so then uh, she's she's like, I'm gonna report to the data integration thought entity, and they're probably going to de- decommission me. And Kion grabs her hand and is like, Absolutely not. You tell those motherfuckers that if they decommission you, I will reveal the existence of the thought entity to Haruhi Suzumiya. I will tell everything to Haruhi that she needs to know in order to destroy the thought entity itself. So you upload that shit right now and let them know that I am serious because we will not stop until we find you again if they ever make you go away. And Yuki is like, thank you so much and transfers the message. And it's really sweet. You go to Christmas Eve. Uh, just just add okay, one more thing okay. to that scene real quick, yeah. which is that, and I'll, I'll just read this verbatim from the, um, the Hurui fandom wiki because I think it's one of those things where it's like, and again, speaks to kind of like the mm-hmm. 
the tenderness that is shown between these characters in this movie. And then also the, I think this is like just like a really good bit of localization, uh, at least in the subtitles. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll read this verbatim. Kion and Nagato's uh, rooftop discussion uses the wordplay on Nagato's na- given name. Kion says Yuki, seemingly addressing Nagato by her given name, whereas she uh, he has otherwise always addressed her by her family name. Uh, but it is then shown that he is pointing out that snow is starting to fall. Yuki means snow. The dubbed version, and the subtitle actually does do this in uh, as well, uh, attempts to carry this o- over this verbal misdirection into English by having Kion say Yuki means snow, right? So he's saying like it's like basically mm-hmm. like he's never he hasn't doesn't never calls her Yuki or calls her Nagato the whole time he's very formal about it and then Yuki then snow is falling into his hand uh, and he says he finally says her name but he's also saying in a way where it could mean snow. Oh. It's such it's such a like there's a lot of um the composer Eric Satie does a lot of the heavy lifting in this film he's a, a classical composer uh, from. Uh, like the age of surrealism in Paris. Uh, and he writes these really melancholic piano pieces that I'm sure you've heard in multiple films uh, and, and media. Uh, and a lot of this movie uses his music as underscoring. Uh, he also, just as a side note, I love Satie. Uh, he created a genre of music called furniture music, which mm. is music that you're not supposed to pay attention to. Which in a, in a time when music had to be live, the idea that this guy sort of pro, uh, prognosticated elevator music, that there would right. be music playing in an environment and you wouldn't care about it. He played a concert once where furniture music was playing and people like sat down to listen and he started running up and down the aisles screaming, no, 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 keep talking. Talk to each other. Just pretend like the music's not happening, <laughs> which... It's such a fun, like a environmental music is a funny idea. Um, he also wrote a really funny response to a critic once that I want to talk about as just a bit of trivia, um, which is that a critic like said some shitty stuff about his music. And I think he wrote either a private letter or a letter to the editor. I don't remember where he was like, critics, can you imagine a celebration announcement for the birth of a critic. Like who in their right mind would ever be like, behold, on this day, a critic was born. We know that this little baby is going to grow up and become a critic and how how lucky we are and happy we are that this has happened. And it's such a good (laughs) takedown. Um, Anyway. I like critics. I know you do. I think they stink. Well done, Matt. Well, that's a w- weird, weird, weird thing to come from. Say from Jay Sherman because he hates himself. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll just play some of it just in case. In case people don't know, uh, have seen the movie and haven't clocked what we're, what theme we're talking about, uh, the, the Eric Satie theme, which is used in this, which is also used, I, I think, famously in My Dinner with Andre, uh, is I, I, that's that's the other example. But I, it's used a lot, it's and it's used also used in Short Circuit too. <laughs> <laughs> Love that uh, movie that's aged well, uh, and the the, <laughs> but the the but also I think if you if you know Ocarina of Time, the Ocarina of Time main title th- uh, theme screen is very clearly derived from it, uh, an homage some would say. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's hear a little bit of this.
So yeah, this comes up a few times during the movie. I'm pretty sure that this is the song that plays after Johnny Five has been smashed by a gang. <laughs> by Los Lobos? Yeah, and he is leaking battery fluid and doesn't have long left to live. And he writes in chalk on an alley wall, dying. I think Los Lobos is actually good. I think the lo- like he joins Los Lobos. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Wait, so a robot joins a gang? Yeah, I think this is the thing. I think this is what happens is that I think Los Lobos are good. Like, you think they're like street tusks, but then they like Johnny Number 5. Uh, but I think he gets beaten to death by the evil people who are trying to use him to rob a bank, right? Yeah, because he doesn't know like that he's being criminals. used to rob a bank. Yeah. And they trick him into robbing a bank and then beat him to death. And he's yeah. bleeding out and they're playing this song. Um, that just sounds so Lobos? different than the Was first one. Locos? <laughs> like that doesn't seem like that's like even the same thing. Because like it's, e- it's, it's like ET e. with a robot kind Lobos. of the first one, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah. That's like if they the, made a the, sequel to ET and they fucking beat them, beat them to death. Short Circuit Two is wild. So it's fucking insane. The truth, uh, the sorry, truth Los, is, Los Lobos is the band. Los Locos is the gang in Short Circuit Two, and they famously say, "Los Locos kick your ass. Los Locos kick your face. Los Locos kick your balls into outer space." Which I thought was the funniest thing in the world when I was like seven years old. They this also, music still playing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also want to say that I once was on set with a director who um, had never seen Short Circuit 2. And I was like, you know, it ends with the robot dying. And he's like, what? And I was like, no, it ends with the robot dying. And this is before streaming. So I, uh, I, <laughs> I edited the movie so that I trimmed out the final 30 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. And it just is Johnny Five going into the alley and writing the word like, dying or I don't want to die or whatever he writes on the on the uh it's like that it's that. on the wall and then uh and then his friend looks sad and I ha- and then I faded to black and just rolled credits with the Eric Satie music playing and I gave it to the director and I was like hey I burned you a copy of short circuit too so that you could see that I was telling the truth and he never said anything about it. So I wonder if he just put the copy on his shelf and then years later, if he ever had a kid, that kid watched the movie and was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? That's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to see it now. I don't know that you do. Uh, so the, the film ends with um, with Kion uh, going for the Christmas party for, for Haruhi's hot pot. And he's like, I guess I should figure out how to save myself, but that can wait for another time. I'll do that some other day. So we don't even get to see him resolve the plot of the movie. <laughs> and then Really, really confusing. Like temporarily, it's one of those things where it's like, man, time travel just gets so confusing when you break it down. Yeah. It's like he knows that in the future he can time travel back to save himself. So he's not going to, he's going to put it off for now. Yeah. Which is very Kion. Uh, yeah. And then uh, that is... Our film. I think there's a post-credit scene where uh, Yuki is watching uh, somebody get a library card, reminding her of the time that uh, that Kion helped get a library card uh, for who was it? 
He gets a anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh I thought it was Haruhi, but I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, he gets a he, some, uh, Yes, he gets it for Haruhi. Anyway, that's the movie. Um and I really thought it was an excellent I thought it was really excellent. Um and I'm glad it exists and I'm glad for me that it justifies the existence of the endless eight. Um, it doesn't go that I won't go that far. Uh, I still did not enjoy the endless eight, although I'm glad I have watched it. Uh, I still think there was another way to realize that creatively, but I do think it's a really cool movie. It's fucking weird as hell. Uh, it, it does look great. It is just cool to see an animated movie. That's this meaty and isn't like, Hey, we're going to use our two hour and 42 minute runtime to depict a bunch of like battles and, you know, flying machines and shit it's this is all going to be kind of like a largely just going to be like anchored in in uh, uh, in the real world although we've got this alternate timeline it is still just like we're not seeing a lot of fantastical sequences stuff we're just seeing like real life lovingly depicted yeah it's it's a beautiful film and at the end of season two I didn't want more Haruhi and this movie reignited my love of the show. And that's no small feat considering that they forced me to watch the same episode eight times in a row. (laughs) Uh, Also, it makes me think that uh, if funnier die still existed, Nick, uh, Mm -hmm. and this was a, a global phenomenon, it would be really funny to release eight of the same sketch completely refilmed week after week after week as the video in the main player. It's a great pitch. I mean, that would have been, I think if you, that probably when the Endless 8 originally aired, that would have been around when Funny or Die was relevant. So yeah, that that would have been a good thing. It it could have been a fun thing to do at the time, although it would have been very, very, very niche. (laughs) Um, And you would have had to get like Brad Garrett in it or something. Yeah. Some celebrity. Yeah. Uh, it uh, the Talking about more Haruhi, which is like, I had a similar sort of reaction. I was like, oh, I'm just interested in this. I, 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 all the visual, I'm sorry, not visual novels, although maybe there is a visual novel. I haven't looked it up. All the light novels have been translated into English. And there was a new light novel published as recently as 2020. So there's a bunch of fucking Haruhi content. Uh, this one, I think, was the adaptation... Yeah, the fourth the fourth of the light novels uh, in the series of, was it 10, 12, 12 different books is uh, The Disappearance. So that's pretty much a, a pretty strike, a pretty straight adaptation uh, of the of the source. So there there is a lot more to experience, just not an animated form. Cool. Well, too bad I don't read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved the movie. And, you know, I think. I think it's the amount of animated uh, Haruhi Suzumiya content that we have is good. I think, I don't know if we need more seasons of it or if we need uh, like for them to explore. I'm glad more of it exists for the the diehards that are super into it. Uh, But I think the movie was a great way to uh, wrap up the journey, starting with um, watching it in broadcast order. And I appreciate... um, I appreciate Heather shepherding us through it uh, and and suggesting it in the first place. I'm glad I'm glad we watched it. Well, that's that movie. 
But you know what? There's a whole ass anime series we watched before that movie. Did you fucking forget? Did you forget that we watched the whole show and that the movie was kind of the climax of that, the capstone, if you will? Perhaps the best part of all of it? And last week, we discussed the end of season two and the end of the series, The Sigh of Haroi Suzumiya, parts four and five, and you sent in some of your thoughts. It's time for the chain reactions of Haroi Suzumiya, colon, blue talk. Blue talk. Blue talk. Oh, sometimes you're talking and then you got a lot of color in that talk and the color's blue and it's blue talk. Blue talk. <laughs> And so people will hear that, and they're like, that's actually a really good song. It's a real song. It's a real song. Yeah, Heather didn't just riff that out. Yeah. It's real. And it's ours. And it's going to be a number one hit. Um, We've been cooking in the lab. (laughs) Let's get the first chain reaction here. Okay. This one's from our pal Kirik. Hi, Kirik. Hi, Kirik. Hello, Kirik. Sai is my least favorite story arc in the whole series, endlessly included. The novel version straight up blows the biggest chunk. So, massive respect to Kiyoani for somehow adapting it into something halfway watchable. Honestly, in my opinion, season two is kind of a wash aside from the first episode, which is such a bummer. But it's all part of the journey to the disappearance. We sort of talked about that a little bit, that Heather's, yeah. Heather's big take. We had a lot of takes this episode. Heather's big take was that Endless 8 justifies itself uh, with the inclusion of this movie. Yeah, Yeah. it's all about that growth. It's all about that character actualization. It's all about catharsis. Gotta have season two and want to blow your brains out in order for the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya's two-hour and 40-minute runtime to really grab you by the heart and drag you down the street. Hard disagree, but we've litigated that at this point. I do think that the... The the this take I'm interested in this take because we have someone who read the light novels and like that's like a big like if the sigh of is is kind of a weird thing in the the source material I'm I'm just interested in that I'm interested in reading the light novels now I guess they've all been localized by this point or at least the the ones that were adapted into the anime I yeah I I, I I've not I've not seen. I've like looked for them in uh, local stores that sell manga, and I have not. I maybe, so maybe they're not as commercially available as some of the other big boys. Uh, but you know, I'd I'd be interested to check them out as well. Uh, Here's but, the thing about books: you got an ISBN. Any bookstore can order anything. The book industry is such like I do that all the time. I go, I walk to my local indie bookstores. Like, yeah, hey, can I get this one specific weird thing? And they're like, yeah, sure, no problem. Shows up in like two weeks. I don't even have to go. To I gotta take Amazon. advantage of that. That yeah. fucking rocks because yeah. I do as long love. As it's still in print, and a lot of these I imagine are still in print. I like walking around a bookstore. It is a nice yeah. time, but I'll. If, but if I can just go up to them and be like, "Hey, here's this fucking weird code," and they can get it for me, I'm out of there in two seconds. Bye. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm gonna walk around. I got other stuff to do. Well, you can uh, still walk around because if they have it off the shelf, you can be like, "Oh, what's this? Okay." Ooh, crack open a, a fresh page. Yeah. Fuck stores. Whoa. How dare you? That's a take. You know, this is a big take episode. If Heather says fuck stores, I have just to sit here and, and you know, not necessarily agree, but take that in and, and listen to that. I, and I think that's important feedback. 
I know we like products on this show, but we do love products. But I, but I sometimes I think maybe we'd be better off I without think, stores of any kind, online or off. I think us saying we like products is a call forward. I don't think that's happened yet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, this next one is from uh, from David Mucci. Hi, hi, David. The Mooch. The Mooch. What's up, David? David Mooch, David Mooch, can you do the Fandango? Okay. Um, I can feel myself disagreeing with the consensus again, but I thought these episodes were fantastic. I find Harui becoming more unhinged and starting to lose control to be fascinating, and it's really getting me interested in where that leads for the movie. It is cool. It is good characterization. I do like that. There is something to that, right? Like, that's the whole, like, I mean, it's not really the same thing. It kind of is. Uh, watching uh, Walter White, for example, mm. be a normal guy and become the biggest piece of shit on her. Yeah. <laughs> or like, uh, uh, I also thought... Um, God, I'm sorry, Skylar White just still makes me so mad. I Well, don't even get me fucking started, dude. I, already, I broke my last computer because I like Googled her on accident and it fucking popped up. Uh, I'm fucking pissed. Um... Uh, I wonder if you were not a part of that culture war, if you would hear this small segment from you boys and mm-hmm. be like, why would they think happening? that? Why are they, I, well, are they angry at a fictional character? I watched every episode of that show from like beginning to like when it ended. And that discourse was baffling to me the entire time. I did the, not understand it. The, like really like <laughs> the canary in the coal mind of just social media was a mistake. Yes. Like, I can't, like, just, I can't, you you know, you just, you just don't realize, like, how many people are just so loud and so dumb. Like, it's just, like, cannot understand. So many people just don't get irony or subtext at all. But more so than that, so many people don't even understand, like, fiction is a concept. No. They're like, this thing is happening. Like, this character is obstructing this character. So I don't like them. They're bad. Like, it's just, like, that level of, and not that I, the, not that I'm a fucking, you know, professor of literature over here with my, <laughs> it, 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 like in, incredibly trenchant insights or anything. I'm fucking dumb too, but like I can understand when something's happening in a work of fiction for a purpose. You know, like that that it's not just like it's not a real person who's obstructing my friend who's the hero of the show because they're the main character in the show. They're the hero and they're good. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, like, what? It's 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 also just like you have to know that this character Walter is choosing to do a bad thing for a bad reason. Like it's yes, like it's yeah. not like so like the whole thing sucks. Like it's it's it, that's that alone you should be watching. Like oh like it's interesting tension right? Like because you're like oh uh, I hope he doesn't get caught doing this bad thing because it is like you know you are rooting for him because you you, you feel bad you have sympathy for him because he has cancer and uh, he's he's quote doing this for his family. But as the series goes along, it makes it abundantly clear that he's not doing it for his family. He's a selfish guy who got fucked over at one point or thinks he got fucked over at one point and is now uh, trying to recoup. Uh, his ego and you know feel like a fucking big dog and it's it, it it doesn't pay off he also deals with he works with nazis you can't be on this guy's side <laughs> different show it's true 
Uh, we could do, do Breaking Bad on this format. I mean, here's the thing. If we wanted to, don't even fucking get me started, dude. <laughs> I love it. I It's my maybe my favorite show, and I love Better Call Saul also. I love all of it. I think it's they're both great works of uh, of TV. Um, and I, 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 I like Better Call Saul more. I heard a, I've heard I this heard take. A, I heard a hot take about Breaking Bad that I've never been able to shake. Go off. Which is that the show is secretly white supremacist. And, and that it is a story of a white guy who is better than all of these people of color mm-hmm. at their jobs. And that he, the only people who die are people of color. And that yeah. the only person who, the only people who can kill Walter White are other white supremacists. And it, shook me to my core yeah because i was like wait the show and then i thought about it and i'm like it's that's a hard one that's a hard one for me to deconstruct in and and say well no but i guess yeah i guess that's an easy thing to like change in the show but i also i would imagine that the meth industry isn't always above board in the (laughs) In the other way, I don't think they're like okay. Well, like there's a lot of white people. Yeah, let's get some, let's do some diversity initiatives. Yeah, here at Meth Inc. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting reading. I also think that there's some intentionality on the part of the creators, and that just like so much of it is about like the like a a neutered midlife crisis white male and white male frustration, which is like yeah. probably a, a well like a, definitely a well worn trope in in American fiction at this point. There's been so much about that. But I I think there's I think it's like purposeful with that sort of depiction because it's just like the like the the it's a power fantasy it's like this this white male power fantasy of yeah like, I can finally take control of my life you know which is um, why then it circles back to these weird people online yes but it, it's also like, like God, it's a, my wife's a bitch his wife's a bitch too I hate right. it. Right, and it's also like is like what like that also comes back to is what like Walter White is a bad person. Like the yes. whole story is the protagonist turning into an antagonist. What if like the 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 idea of an antihero is still novel at the time in in prestige TV? Yeah, he's not and, Venom. Yeah, so it's so I I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think it's I, I think that that it's possible. I think it's possible it's subconscious from the creators, but I think it's also possible that that like that reading exists it, it, it reading exists on one level but like a level deeper i feel like it's maybe like a comment on that you know hmm. but also maybe. skylar white's a bitch <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started on marie they're called minerals oh. not rocks <laughs> uh anyway back to back to blue talk um blue and we're not talking talk. about the blue meth from breaking bad Oh man, I go off day, all day about that stuff. Give me some, just some. Uh, this one's from. This one's from Lark. What's up, Lark? What's up, Lark? Hi, Lark. Uh, one reason this ending is such a bummer is that, given our understanding of where this arc takes place chronologically, it reinforces that Haruhi has not really grown or changed much, if at all, through the series. The spiked drink and the averted non-consensual love scene is arguably the worst thing she's done, and she doesn't show any penance. I think there's a a case to be made that she's a worse person, emboldened by the brigade's understandably scared enablers. 
Well, that I think is a thing. Look, hey, that's that that that's a shade of what we were just talking about a second ago with yeah. regards to Breaking Bad. It's like I think Kion's Kion has gotten so fucking down the rabbit hole that he finally realizes that he's enabling this. Like it, like it's mm-hmm. it almost takes her to do something so egregious for him to be like, "Holy shit, this has to stop," you know. Um, and there's maybe also something to his own character being such that he's like. He's not completely altruistic. Like the thing that finally sets him off is that this uh it feels like this wo- this woman that he has, this girl that he has a crush on is, you know, being somehow like like taken from him, you know? Like that's what finally gets him yeah. to the point where he's like like this can't stand anymore. So he's not all good either, but uh yeah, but I I think like for someone so passive, this was Heather's point, I think. For someone so passive to finally do anything in this in this series, that's kind of what's happening in season two. Yeah, and it takes something huge for him to like like the fucking endless eight. It takes something huge to finally get him to do something. It only took him thousands of years. <laughs> uh this this next one's from oh boy. Sieg Kirchis. Sieg Kirchis, I apologize if that's not how you pronounce it, uh, but here we go. Very excited to hear Heather and Nick both getting into Vinland Saga. I'm working my way through it at the moment, too, and it's truly an incredible show. Fun fact, the Vinland of legend is theorized to be modern-day New Brunswick. When Leif Erikson is telling stories about Vinland in the show, I like to imagine that he stopped by a Tim Hortons in Moncton one time and just really wants to go back so he can re-experience the joy of washing down an apple fritter with a double-double. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what... the, the Canada, uh, Canada has like some weird thing where there's one of their provinces they characterize as the Forgotten Province. I'm not sure if it's New Brunswick or I'm not sure if it's Prince Edward Island. Well, they're proving the point by uh, you not knowing which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I know it's not Nova Scotia and I know it's not Newfoundland. It's like, it's like one of the other ones that's kind of tucked away. And it's not Quebec. I, I think it might be New Brunswick. And people are all are, are like, you got to go to New Brunswick. New Brunswick is beautiful. But I have not visited our our brothers in the north. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to go there someday. I've, I've never been. I've only been up there for work. I've been to Vancouver twice. And I also have been to Saskatoon, which I would like the first time I went to Canada is with uh, uh, Doughboys. My other podcast mm-hmm. was doing a live uh, show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And we were like, we're coming to Canada. We're going to Saskatoon. And everyone in Canada is like, the fuck? Why are you going to Saskatoon? Which I guess is kind of like the equivalent of like, hey, we're going to America. We're going to Omaha. You know, it's just like it's, like, yeah. it's a pretty random sort of city. Uh, and it was cold as shit and it was very remote. Uh, but it like it, it did feel like it, it did have RPG town vibes, um, like remote <laughs> outpost. Uh, but um, that's it. That's I've, I've, I've spent less than a week total in... Uh, in Canada, all for work. Heather, you spent much time in Canada? I've gone to Montreal, and I've gone to Vancouver. And that is the extent of my trips to Canada. I spent uh, a few weeks in Vancouver for work. That's right, yeah. The Twilight Zone. That's right. And I uh, went to Montreal to uh, meet with Ubisoft back when I was a video game journalist and cover their development of the game Naruto Rise of a Ninja. Um I have liked my experiences in Canada. It's like 
What if America was European? That's like a big sell to me. That sounds yeah. good. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. so I do get those vibes. But also, it is still American in the sense that there's like a really fucking annoying right wing that's just like sure, dumb, just like yeah. a like a right wing dipshit, which I know also exists in Europe, but it's like a different strain of dumb. Yeah, um, they're and just, then they're just regular actual Nazis here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they're just straight up fascists. Yeah. Um, they're just overtly racist. It's a little bit easier to track. Uh, and then the but the other thing is just like public transit in in Canada is not what you not up to a European standard. Like there's not like good. And also like, there's not good, like, like rail in, in Canada. Like you'd expect that to be able to like, I can get from city to city, but no, you got to fucking still drive everywhere, which I hate. That's that's why I said, what if America was European? It's like, you've Mm. got, you've got some, some nice pedestrian thoroughfares in, uh, in cities like Montreal. Uh, you've got, um, you've got like public squares, but then after you're done there, you have to get in your car <laughs> and drive. Yeah. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Did we answer that question at all? No. Did we what even address it? What was the question? I think oh, it, it was, was more of a... Like, oh, it was actually more just like a fun fact. It wasn't really like a, a question. Oh, it was like right. a Viking thing. I'll, yeah, I'll, it's the Vinland uh, Saga I'll, fact. I'll, I'll look uh, it up in New Brunswick. I'll reply with a, a Viking fact, which is that uh, women were allowed to divorce men in Viking history, in Viking society. I'm glad um, that's changed. Which, well, when you think about how it wasn't legal until like the 70s, the 1970s yeah, it's, in it's America. crazy. Right. Uh, no fault divorce. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, they, they could, they could divorce men and they were, we know this through, um, written, uh, trials where it was like, uh, this guy is not, uh, it, it, like you'd have your standard domestic abuse stuff, but then you would also have. Like, this guy isn't sexually satisfying me anymore. And all the Vikings would be like, oh, 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 shit, oh. And he'd be like, no, come on, no, no, come on. And then, <laughs> I'm a uh, Viking, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's your Viking fact of the week. Seems like kind of a dangerous law. Uh, I, the, <laughs> this is the craziest thing just about like how sexist America was. The, the, I, I just looked it up because the year is so late. The first year that women could get a credit card in their own name, like that, that, that like an unmarried woman could get a credit card or that a married woman could get a credit card that wasn't in her husband, that wasn't didn't have her husband's like name on it was 1974. That's so oh, recent. C- c- come on, baby. Come on. I'm a Viking. <laughs> it's that's uh, this. I mean, come on. Come on. You know. I think uh, you know women weren't allowed into the bar McSorley's until the seventies. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, there's there's like a there's you like have a to go photograph. to the doctor with your husband. Yep, <laughs> I know. Isn't that wild? There's like a photograph of a of a woman running the first woman running the Boston Marathon, and like men are like chasing after, her, like throwing shit at her. Get out of here! Stop running! Yeah. What a weird thing to be angry about. That's wild. I. It goes without saying. I mean, look, we've kind of been going hard on. There's like one listener who's like, stop talking about stuff that makes me mad. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let's look at this last one in here. Nick Snull writes. Hi, Nick. Nick. Hi. That's my name. It's Nick's with an X, my dear boy. Nick's, what is it? Nick Snull. Nick Snull. Still cool. Uh, It is really cool. Uh, I think a big rocker name. 
Yeah, he's this, I was this a fucking a, Motley Crue. I'd be Nick's Null. This is this is a, a rocker. We're dealing with a rocker here. Uh, I think a big part of what makes Haruhi Suzumiya stick with me is how many times you can say, "Oh, this is unique," or "Oh, nothing like this happens in the rest of the series." It really covers a surprising amount of different themes, plot lines, emotions, without ever feeling out of place. I think that's a really good uh, summary of the show. Actually, like every, <laughs> it's very different all the time. <laughs> I'm so glad I watched this show. That's yeah. my big thing. Is that, and, I, and I think, Heather, you, you said something similar of just like so much media that I've consumed. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I guess I saw that. You know what I mean? Like, I remember like one detail from it. This one, a lot is going to stick with me, even if yeah. I didn't like love all of it and respond to all of it. Uh, yep. And I'm really just talking about season two here. I, I think that it is just such a fascinating, huge swing of uh, of an anime. And, and I just like I. I don't know. So a lot of it's going to stick with me, and a lot of it is is truly transcendently good. Yeah, I, I'm really glad we watched it, and uh, I'm glad that I now have a, another complete anime under my belt for uh, my my Rolodex. I now now I I feel like the the horizons of anime are forever expanding, and I'm glad to have knocked one off the off the shelf. Yeah. Achievement unlocked. Wow. <laughs> we all just 100%ed Harui, at least the, uh, the anime. The movie's so fucking good. The I mo- love that the movie. The movie fucking I, rules. If I, didn't, if I didn't get it, uh, to, like, make, well, it wasn't emphat- emphatic enough on the episode proper. I think the movie rips. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for the chain reactions of Haruhi Suzumiya as far as the show goes. But next week, send in, uh, or, you know, send in your. Uh, chain reactions for the movie, and we'll talk about those next week when we start talking about the next series we're going to watch. That's right. We're going to get your chain reactions to the disappearance of Harui Suzumiya next week, so send those in. We're interested in your perspectives. You don't have to agree with us, so we love it when you disagree with us. And hey, if you have any other experience with the source material, that's always great too. Um, but yeah, just let, let us know. You know what? Honestly, if you just didn't watch this, I think we can read one comment that someone's just like, hey, I didn't watch it. So, like, if you didn't watch this, but you just want to cut weigh in on our thoughts, feel free to send that in as well. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get, we'll get your chain reactions of the disappearance next time. That's right. And uh, do we want to say what yes. we're watching next What we're we watching ab- next week? We yes. absolutely do. So, next week, we are going to be watching. It's another one that's challenging to watch, as we found, and as you'll find on the first episode that we recorded in this series. We are going to start discussing... Uh, the I'll, I'll give you the acronym in English. Uh, it's FLCL. That's what you want to look for if you're not familiar with it. That's what you want to you want to search for. And we're looking specifically for the original FLCL, which came out in 2003 on uh, and it, the platform it's on is Hulu. Yeah, the the year I think that says on Hulu is 2003. So that's oh. the one you want to look for. I could be wrong. Um, it, d- but, it does uh, say that, but I think that's when the when it was localized for uh, yeah. for English. But if you're but if you're in America and you have you're like how do I watch this fucking thing? There are a bunch of different versions on different platforms because they've made sequels, they've made they've made follow up series. But we're watching the original, which is on Hulu and which is dated 2003. That's the way to get in the U.S. Uh, check your own territory in, in terms of tracking things thing uh, down. Uh, Fudi Kuri is approximately how you you pronounce it, Fudi Kuri. So we're going to be that's what that's the show we're going to be discussing. That's what we'll be saying. Uh, in general, but FLCL is what you want to search for. And we selected it because we put up a, 
you know, uh, I put up a thread on on our Patreon asking what should we watch next, and a lot of people emphatically said we should watch uh, FLCL. So we're doing it, and perhaps we'll go back to that uh, thread later on. There was a lot of really great uh, suggestions in that thread, so I thank you, uh, everybody, for your input. Yeah, Foodie Cootie, we're covering next. Actually, I'm looking at this thread now. Number two was Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we're going Breaking Bad right after this, and then... uh, uh, I think we have to also then do Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, I might have to announce my retirement. <laughs> hey, that's a good show. Malcolm in the Middle is really good, but we, we don't have time for it. Uh, you guys got animated. The Cranston cast. <laughs> I, hey, I'll go all in on Cranston. I, I love him. Covering four episodes of Seinfeld, where he plays the dentist Tim Watley as well. The anti-dentite. Uh, uh, yeah, you got animated. Yeah. 